When was the last time you had an orgasm? Okay, but when was the last time you had an orgasm that was so incredible it healed your sexuality? Lots of us approach masturbation as just a thing to do to get us off and move on with our day. But what if you could touch yourself to facilitate sexual liberation? With chakras, you can. I've been using my chakras for years, and what I love about it is that chakras not only gets me off, but helps me create an intentional self-pleasure practice that connects me to my body and my inner wisdom. Chakras is a woman-owned sexual wellness company that makes beautiful, handcrafted pleasure tools from pure crystal. These crystals are a natural, earth-made material that come with their own unique properties to help awaken higher levels of consciousness, help you work through emotional imbalances, and heal deep core wounding. And the orgasms are incredible. If you want to bring sensual vibes and much-needed healing to your sexuality, go to shockrubs.com and use my code LIBERATION to get 15% off your purchase. That's C-H-A-K-R-U-B-S dot com, promo code LIBERATION for 15% off your purchase. Center your pleasure and heal your sexuality with chakras, and may your orgasms be plentiful. Hey everyone, I'm Evian Whitney, and this is The Sexually Liberated Woman. I have such a treat for you today because in this episode, we're going to bring some celebration and demystification to one of the most important players in sexual pleasure, and also the most misunderstood and pathologized, the clitoris. There is so much cultural baggage, misinformation, and ignorance surrounding the clitoris. And I've experienced this firsthand because here's a confession. Even though I was masturbating at a very young age and I was having sex since I was 15, I didn't know what my clitoris was until I was about 19, which is sad, but not totally uncommon because I've heard from other clients of mine who have also had the same experience of not being properly educated about their clitoris. And it really just illustrates how neglected and disrespected the clitoris has been. And not just the clitoris, but women and femmes' sexual pleasure as a whole, which for some of us, the clitoris is at the center of. So to put this conversation into motion and to bring some actual facts into some of the most stubborn myths about it, I brought Sophia Wallace onto the podcast to talk all about the concept of clitoracy. Sophia is a mixed media artist, and honestly, I don't know if she would identify herself as this, but I consider her to be a clit activist, and she has used the clitoris as a main subject in her work. So when she came on the podcast, we talked all about her work and how it was she decided to center the clitoris in her art. We also talked about the omnipresent existence of the penis in our culture, about the demonization of clitoral pleasure. We talked about the exact anatomy of the clitoris, which, spoiler, the clitoris is not just that tiny external little button above the opening of the vagina, but a vast internal network. And we also talked about the importance of the language we use when we talk about the sexual pleasure center of the body. So as you can see, there's a lot in there, and you'll probably learn some new language today as well. So keep your ears perked for the words krura, narcissexual, and of course, clitoracy, which is the practice of being clitoris literate. Because in this day, in this age, in this year of our Lord, 2019, There is literally no excuse not to have this information. There is literally no excuse to be illiterate, if you will. So my hope is that this episode will help you to know thy body and know thyself. 
And if you don't happen to have a clitoris, it's likely you know and love someone who does. So I encourage you to listen and learn and also share this podcast episode with your clit having friends. Because as Sophia says later in this episode, none of us have full access to our citizenship if we don't have a right to pleasure in our own bodies. And I 100% agree with that. Before we get into it, I'm not sure if you've ever checked out the show notes of an episode of The Sexually Liberated Woman before, or if you've ever gone to the brand new website for the podcast, sexuallyliberatedwoman.com. But if there was ever an episode where you clicked through the show notes, it would be this one. There's a ton of resources and links that you can click to give you some visuals and more information about Sophia's art, education to debunk some of those stubborn myths about the clitoris, and what clit literacy looks like in practice. So definitely check those out after you're done listening and be prepared to have your mind blown. Okay, enjoy. Hi, Sophia. Thank you so much for being on The Sexually Liberated Woman. Hi, I'm so happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I am such a fan of your work. I remember I stumbled across clitoracy around the same time that I started doing this work. Um, maybe maybe not as long, but I, I feel like your work has been such a part of my own sexual liberation and just sexual education. And so I'm I'm doing the best that I can to not fangirl, but just know that like I am so happy to be talking to you. That's amazing. I actually had no idea that I came across your work when you did that post, which I thought was so touching and profound and like mm. vulnerable and genuine and and really eloquent. And that's that's when I first came across your work, but it really kind of stuck with me. Which post are you talking about? You posted, I just have a vivid memory of the photograph and there's like Mm -hmm. yellow flowers in it. And then there's like some sort of like close up abstracted image of your body. And I think you're holding maybe a clitoris pin or maybe something like that. That was when I, when I bought Illis clitoris, the, mm-hmm. the mm-hmm. pin. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I was like so thrilled, but yes, I, I had no idea that you even like knew who I was. <laughs> yeah. that's how I, And then I was like, wow, this is really, this, it really kind of took me aback and like made me pause and like ponder what you were, what, what you were talking about and the way that you said it. And I don't know, it was just really, beautiful. So, oh, wow. so thank you for that. Wow, that is so cool. I I had no idea that you even knew who I was. So that is that's awesome. I'm glad that we could finally connect sort of IRL at least mm-hmm. in real time. Um and I'm really really stoked to pick your brain a little bit about clitoracy, uh about clitorises. Actually, I want to ask is there plural for the word clitoris like is it clitori or is it like yeah. is it clitorises? <laughs> apparently it's clitorides which I think is a very strange word so I never I never use that word I just say clits okay you know because for me that just rolls off the tongue and it's just such a strong word and it you know like the letters together look really strong and then the sound of it is kind of strong it's like a punch you know so yeah I just always shorten it to clits That is smart. I think I'm going to adopt that into my vernacular because anytime that I've been trying to talk about multiple Mm. clitorises, I'm like, clitorises sounds weird. Clitori sounds weird. So yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Clits. Amazing. So I... I heard somewhere way, way back, probably when I first started doing my own sexual liberation work, Mm -hmm. that the clitoris was discovered literally 30 years ago, Mm -hmm. (laughs) which blew my mind. And I wanted to know like what you know about that. Like my first, my first question for you was going to be like, why is that? Like, why did we only discover the clitoris 30 years ago? But I, 
kind of feel like that's a rhetorical question because I I know why. But yeah, any any insight or context that you can give, that would be awesome. Yeah. So it's a very interesting story. So in 1998, Dr. Helen O'Connell, who's an Australian neurologist and should have some major medal of honor, some major scientific award of recognition globally for her discovery, but like hasn't yet, but we should we should rectify that situation. She proved once and for all that the anatomy of the clitoris is is the true anatomy, that it is comprised of the glands and the bulbs and the cura. And she, and basically how she came to do this research is that as a urologist, she was doing surgeries all the time on, um, on the penis and the vulva and clitoris. And she was really just, you know, disturbed when she was looking at the anatomy books because the penis anatomy, the major anatomy was extremely detailed. And then the minor anatomy was also just incredibly intricate. And with the clitoris, and the vulva, the, the major anatomy is kind of limited, and then the minor anatomy is just non-existent. So she was like, how do we know that when we're doing these surgeries that we're not regularly cutting and damaging the clitoris? Mm. And so she decided to do like the first anatomical dissections of the clitoris. And she proved like once and for all that, yes, the clitoris is this you know, larger internal organ, and all these parts are actually connected. Because even the way that they're named... You know, when you look at the penis anatomy and the clitoris anatomy, they both have bulbs, they both have glands, they both have cura. But on the penis, they're called the bulbs of the penis, you know, the glands of the penis, the cura of the penis. Whereas in the clitoris, it's just the bulbs of the vestibule, as if it's like, you know, these bulbs into an entryway, but not belonging to an autonomous integrated organ that's, you know, that is, you know, within itself a whole. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's because, and this is, you know, O'Connell has speculated about this, but, you know, her argument is that the female body has been studied in terms of reproduction. Right. And it's the interest in it has been in terms of how it can produce pleasure and how it can produce babies. And it hasn't, there hasn't been interest in like actually the, the pleasure that women experience um, and avoiding pain for women. So everything that didn't kind of affirm the narrative and, and also the idea, you know, this, this trope of like the phallus versus the lack, the object versus the non-object, the gaping vagina, supposedly, that didn't, you know, uh, solidify this image was completely ignored. And, you know, and for some people, and, and certainly not all, but for some people, the idea that women and gender non-binary and trans people with clits like have their own autonomous organ that is intact and is erectile and swells up and, you know, Know, and has multiple orgasms and is innately inherently sexually powerful that is very threatening to certain people um mm. and so it has been avoided denied negated and there are people that prior to 1998 who did connect the anatomy george Kobelts was a german anatomist um who hundreds of years ago he recognized the anatomy of the clitoris, but his findings were not adopted, whereas Freud's belief that the clitoris was, first of all, just the glands, but also infantile and right. pathological, like these ideas were very much embraced. Um, there were Italian anatomists who also found the clitoris like hundreds of years ago as well. But again, there wasn't, there hasn't been interest in it. So it's it's been a complicated history of being known and then being denied and negated and being lost. And to this day, I think we're still in that kind of a moment because, um, you know, since I started my project Clitoracy in 2012, definitely a lot more people know about the clitoris, but in the grand scheme of the world, nobody knows. And most times when I'm walking down the street and meet a person and they ask me what I do, and then eventually, you know, I start talking about what my work is and then I'll show them like my tattoo and they never know, you know, they never recognize what it is, right? And I always have to like break it down and they're like, what? That tells me something that we have a long way to go. You know, if you think about the history of visual culture and art and and all of these things, like the penis is so established, you know, it's everything from scribbled on like, you know, a bathroom wall or on a, like a, a desk in elementary school to like, it's inspiration for every damn monument by every nation with the obelisk. Um, and, and the clitoris is not, that form is not known, that symbol is not known. It doesn't exist in art history, which is so saturated with the female nude. 
like the place that um, people with clits feel pleasure is not eroticized, is not seen, doesn't exist, isn't recognized. Like that is a huge problem and a huge loss and a huge opportunity, I guess, as well. We are like just at the beginning. I mean, I've been working on this project for seven years, but really, I mean, it's really just the beginning of changing things. Yeah, I, I was I was laughing at what you were saying about how like dicks are everywhere, because I remember when I first stumbled across your project Clitoracy, it really opened my eyes to everything that you just said about how like penises are everywhere. Like they are such a part of our culture and they have like this very... I don't know this like like they're they're used in so many different ways. It's not just about sexuality. It's about power. It's about mm-hmm. aggression. It's about um, success even. And I remember walking um, around my neighborhood shortly after I discovered clitoracy, and I was just like. I wonder how many dicks I'm going to see, like just Mm -hmm. like graffitied on the sidewalk, on a wall somewhere. (laughs) I saw so many penises and it Mm. was like, and they weren't just penises. I mean, sometimes they were penises just to be like funny, obviously, like someone drew a cock and balls just to, you know, troll us or whatever. But I mean, there was literally like phalluses everywhere like everywhere it's so deeply entrenched in in our culture and i these days i've been really trying to look out for whenever i see um clits around or whenever i mm-hmm. see like vulvas and i i actually told my husband like a few years ago i want to like start maybe like a like a guerrilla campaign or even just like get a whole squad of amazing babes to just like we tag the city with vulvas and clits because like as a way to like bring that back into our consciousness yes. because like, we're out here <laughs> that's right exactly and we're proud and our gens are amazing too you yes. know what i'm saying like clits are yes. so dope but they're amazing Amazing. I, I don't know what it's like to have a penis. I'm sure it's great, but just saying like clits are so dope and I like I love having one so much. Yes. And it is amazing. Yes. And there is nothing, you know, there hasn't been anyway, like throughout, you know, my entire childhood and young life until I started working on this project. I never felt like there were things that were repping for I mean, you know, there's like I mean, I think about like hip hop and I think about like Lil' Kim or, you know, Foxy right. Brown, Illumina yeah. and all. I mean, I think like female MCs were trying to represent, but there's still something different when representing always has to be done through the male body. And something right. that's so powerful about the clit is that its sexuality is completely independent and it can engage as it wants to, but like it's just about pleasure for pleasure for pleasure for pleasure. And I think that is so threatening um, in terms of thinking about, you know, female and femme sexuality is the idea of, of receiving pleasure without necessarily giving anything. Like there's no babies coming from this. There's no like guarantee of your orgasm or pleasure. It's not about you. Like it's about, it's about the clit. And yes. it doesn't mean anything else. It's completely autonomous. Do you know what I mean? And I think that's a very radical, that's a radical idea for, for a lot of people. Big time. So we we keep talking about clitoracy and I want to make sure that everyone <laughs> knows knows what that is. Can you tell us about clitoracy, your project? Yeah. So in 2012, uh, I started this project called Clitoracy. And I really didn't expect to start this project. I was I was kind of terrified to do it actually, but it was a combination of two things that kind of came together and overwhelmed me and I had no choice. One of them was discovering the true anatomy of the clitoris. And being like, what the fuck? Like, how how am I just finding this out now? How do I not know my own body? Mm. How have I been misled about my body my whole life? How have I gone to every doctor's office and the drawings are wrong and the models are wrong? Like, how is this possible? And then uh, the second thing was that I found out that my grandmother had never had an orgasm her whole life. Wow. And I think this is something that a lot of our elders in our life have experienced, um, elder women and it's just not talked about. Um, but it is so common. Yeah, how did, how did she talk to you about it? I mean, basically it was sort of the end of her life and she's, you know, we're all kind of telling stories that, you know, in the last few days of her life. And my uncle said that she had recently like sort of lamented this to him. And at the time it was kind of like, well, 
wow, that's a little like how sad, but also like, wow, that's a little bit inappropriate. But then it's also like, well, when is it ever appropriate to talk about this? And then if I don't stand up for my grandmother, like who will? And she's the one who created this whole family and she gave birth to five children, four of whom survived. And like, she deserved to have orgasms. And for sure, my grandfather was having orgasms his time with her all those years. And this is a person who is like so gregarious, so outgoing, so fun loving, so athletic, so, you know, like bubbly and fun. I mean, I just have no doubt in my mind that like she could have had orgasms if her body was being attended to, or if she felt safe to attend to her body. Right. So I think that just outraged me. And, um, I felt like I had to call bullshit on the complete absence of the clitoris in our in our culture and the lie that pleasure for people with vulvas primarily comes from penetration. Penetration is wonderful, but that is not where the vast majority of the nerves the nerves originate from and the ones that are internal are from the clitoris, not not the vagina and they usually get engaged through the glands of the clitoris first mm. and those are like also ps the weakest orgasms you could have solely from some penetration so <laughs> those that want that that's fine but just know yeah. that like you're not superior just because you got it from a from penetration and in fact you should you could be having much stronger ones by having you know multiple things happening and engaging the place where the eight thousand nerves are um mm. so you know there's been such a privileging of Everything, I mean, basically the way that sex, the, I, I, you know, this is a gen- generalization, but I, I think this is pretty true. What we've been taught about sex and sexuality has always revolved around the male erection as that yes. is like the source of all sex and, you know, every, everything sexy comes from that. Um, but in fact, like the clitoris is its own apex and it is amazing and it deserves to be treated um, as in the way that's unique to it, it's been treated like, you know, for people that wanted their external clitoris stimulated, there was something it's always said as if there's like this extra thing that they need as if that's not scientifically, biologically how it fucking works. Like there's Mm -hmm. 8,000 nerves there. Yes. That's where you touch. Like you wouldn't expect a dude to orgasm if you're just casually bumping against his dick with your abdomen occasionally. Do you know what I mean? Or your arm is like rushing by it. But the way that our society treats sexuality is like, you know, um, women are supposed to just orgasm when their clits are indirectly being bumped into and a dude is getting his, you know, his primary erotic area, the glands of his penis stimulated constantly. Um, And that's normal. That's normalized as the natural, the best, the ideal, the lucky way. And that's just not that's just not based in science and facts. So. I think that one of the first things that I had to do was just call bullshit on that and really centralize the clitoris as as a subject and talk about sex from the perspective of the clit and talk about, you know, and, and really try to denaturalize sexual incompetence and call that out as, mm. as corny, as outdated, as, you know, lazy, <laughs> as unattractive, and really try to, you know, reposition this whole narrative around like how sexuality is discussed. So, I mean, to get to your 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 question, I mean, it's such a li- like layered thing because I've been working on this for so long, but yeah, yeah. also such a big thing to take on. So when I started out with the project, you know, I had these concerns and I was working as a photographer at the time and I knew that I couldn't use photography as my medium because like everywhere we see images of sexualized women and femmes um, and yet the place that they are feeling pleasure and their true authentic desire and embodiment is not seen. So I knew that the camera like wasn't the answer. And a lot of what I wanted to talk about was the unseen of this body, the unseen experience, interiority, and subjecthood. And so I wanted to say like you can't everything that's real and 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 precious and meaningful can't necessarily be seen on the surface. And don't be so arrogant as a viewer to think that you can just like walk by, take a glance at a pussy and you know what's going on. You don't know anything about it. You don't know anything. So the first thing was um, I made a hundred laws of clitoracy, which I love, by the way. Oh, thank you. Yeah, so I made like a hundred text works, and the text works are like 
a universal declaration of rights for the clit, basically saying it has a right to be known in its true anatomy. It has a right to dignity. It's it's so dope. It's so amazing. I mean, there's, you know, there's, there's laws that deal with like just basic science and facts about it. And then there's like kind of remixing like pop culture and hip hop lyrics for the clit. And then there's commentary about art and architecture and everything in between, you know, Anne Frank talks about her clit. Um, she did? She, yeah, she asked her mom what it was and then her mom just discouraged her. And so she didn't know, wow. but she was, yeah. Yeah. Um, so the, so the hundred laws, hundred laws was sort of like my establishing text. And with that as the foundation, then I started working on the form of the clit and, you know, the sculptural work and then making patterns and making, you know, the clit as a symbol and putting these patterns all over the place. And, you know, the patterns I think is very powerful in terms of counter to the hierarchy of the phallus where it's about like the big building that towers over everything. Mm-hmm. You know, pattern is about like the, 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 um, the power of the small and the many like coming together and using the so-called weapons of the weak to create different types of resistances and also, like, when I'm using patterns, people just think it's, like, decorative and they don't know what it is. And so it's not censored as much as, like, when I have the gold clit, it encounters a lot more, not only resistance, but people who, like, actively want to destroy it and, like, bring it into submission and, like, you know, symbolically rape it. Um, right. Yeah, it's, like, a different way to just address, like, the complexity of the story and, like, resist without doing it on sort of, like, the terms of the phallus. So... Yeah, I mean, so I've been working like so. So I've been working on this project so many different ways. So I, I've always had like the part that's in the gallery world, and then I also do street art anonymously because it can't just be in the art world. It has to be a bigger conversation. Um, and then I have you know I have like things that I sell as well, like you know pins and t-shirts and jewelry. And I really I never expected to be doing that, but I you know when I first started the project, I made this clitoracy eye chart and I made a clitoracy definition. Yes, that's that's the I think that's the the first time that I came across clitoracy was the oh. the eye chart. Amazing. Yeah. So I made this and I just was like in my little, you know, studio, like I was like, you know, making um my prints and then people were coming up to me and they're like, what is that? I want that. Like I need that. Like can I get that? And I was like, whoa, like no one has ever done this before. But people were just like about it and they were very they just like took a, took a very different I don't know response to the work and I kind of knew that I was I was creating something that was valuable and was needed and I think I mean even solid gold clit t-shirt you know it's like <laughs> what does that mean I mean at the time I made it I mean I remember I was like I was listening to a lot of MIA at the time and I was just thinking about a gold chain bouncing on my neck. And I was like, you know, yes, like repping for the clit. That's what I was thinking about. And it was just very, I wanted to bring that kind of energy and that kind of like pride and, you know, swag to the clip. And it wasn't really meant to be that serious, but there's just something about when you see this text that, you know, you're expecting it to see, to be in like pink and purple and all soft and floral. And it's just, you know, bold and minimal and large and simple. Like it's just a different, there's just like a different weight to it. Yeah. I'm so glad that you brought this up because I think one of the things that was so striking for me about stumbling across your project Clitoracy was that most of the things that I had witnessed up until that point. And then even like, honestly, today, regarding the clitoris, regarding vulvas, had to do with like flowers and mm-hmm. glitter and mm-hmm. honey. And like, I don't know, I and, I and I understand the aesthetic of that. Like, I understand why folks would make those connections. But I have to tell you, like, it kind of like, I don't know, I kind of roll my eyes these days whenever I see someone eating a flower dripping nectar to a vulva, you know, and I actually wanted to ask you because it seems like it was very intentional for you to mm-hmm. use imagery that wasn't floral and frou-frou and pink. Mm-hmm. I mean, for, it's like for so many reasons, but very intentionally. I mean, I think that um, when people think of vulvas, they tend to think of soft, small, weak, because that's what we've been trained. You know, that's our inheritance. And I know like you know, we are all trying to change that um, I, in terms of, you know, you, me, I'm sure your podcast listeners, like we are, 
Yeah. And lines of trying to change that, but still like this is the inheritance that we've been handed, unfortunately, through society and religion. And so the representations have, you know, even though they're attempting to uplift, I think a lot of times they fall they accept a lot of things that shouldn't be accepted and they and they just embody them. So using, you know, using yarn and using floral things and doing everything small and doing things everything everything accessible. I think for me, I wanted to dignify the clit and give it swag and give it take it to a place of honor and fierceness and more of a sort of regal clit where you have to look up to it it's you know like like my sculpture is taller than you know it's like six foot three basically so it's like taller than most people so Mm. you know you have to kind of you know and it stands so that you're sort of face to face with it and that's what I wanted that's why I wanted people to confront it I wanted them to confront it like subject to subject not as something that you always get this um, disembodied woman with her legs spread and you get to look inside of her pussy you know I wanted to be like right what if you're not getting anything from her and you just have to like engage her face to face. It's a very different relationship than how we're used to thinking about the female genitals. And with the hundred laws, you know, there are also, you know, there's 101 of them because the last one is that there are more laws. Um, but it takes a very long time to read them and they're big, you know, it's, they're, they're quite large. So they're bigger than anyone's body. It takes a long time. So you really have to go inside of yourself, go inside your own body um, and that's the way that I wanted people to engage this content. I wanted them to identify. I wanted them to feel intimate. I wanted them to be um, contemplative and quiet for a moment. Because I think so much of how we've been taught to think about sexuality is all about looking and the object. But I think actually, you know, real sexuality when you get into it you know once you're actually engaging it it's it's interior it's the feeling it's like how it feels it's how you connect and expand out of your body and you become you know energy with yourself or with another person and right you know it's 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 beyond it's inevitable and so I wanted to kind of go to that that type of place rather than um give someone another photograph of an exposed pussy or like make a grid on a wall of like 50 disembodied pussies. There's a lot of projects that, you know, to the point that I was trying to make earlier about accepting old ideas and tropes and inherited, uh, inherited constructs that are really damaging and should just be fucking rejected um, on their face. The word vagina, like, let's start there. Yeah. I am so glad that you're bringing this up, like, because I have been wanting to talk about this for a long time. So please continue. Mm. <laughs> yes. And I was very happy to hear you say vulva. I was like, yes, thank you. So so the word vagina, it's a word that I I say, uh, you know, hyperbolically, but for a point, you know, that it's the it's the most misused word in the English yes. language. But it is misused by everybody. It's used by, misused by doctors. It's misused by feminists. It's misused in books. It's misused in a new museum that's being created right now in in the UK. Um, the first ever so called vagina museum. Oh lord! Um, <laughs> it's it's a Latin word that means sword holder, mm-hmm. and it reduces the entire uh, genitals vulva genitals to being um, the opening and the shaft and nothing more. It excludes the clitoris. It excludes everything external that you can see. And it means sword holder. Mm. So, you know, for anyone um, who's listening, who's never heard this before, like if you want to talk about everything that you can see, everything on the outside and your clit and your, and your pleasure, you know, vulva is inclusive and clitoris is where all of the sexual nerves are, both the external clitoris and the internal clitoris. And then the vagina is just the opening. It's where you, you know, menstruate and penetration happens. And there's almost no nerves in the vagina. If there were nerves there, it would be way too painful to give birth. Uh, the reason that, you know, penetration can be really pleasurable is because when the when you're really aroused, the internal clitoris is engaged and so it can make um, penetration feel amazing. Um, whereas if you're not aroused, it can feel like nothing or it can feel really bad. It's all about the engagement of the clitoris. And the G-spot 
is just the internal clitoris. And I, you know, I get annoyed that I feel like the G spot gets like a lot more love than the clit. Yes. And it's simply because it's simply because you access it through penetration, which, you know, so then it's like another excuse to like not address the clit and focus on what is, you know, stimulating for penises. Yes. Oh my God. There's so many good gyms in here. Like for one, I'm, I am so glad that you brought up the whole vulva versus vagina thing way, 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 way back in the day. I wrote an article where I got a little fiery about like how we need to stop using the word vagina when we mean vulva. And when I posted this, I had comments uh, engaged on my um, website at the time. People were like, why does it matter? Like, I'm allowed to call it whatever I want to call it. And I'm like, yo, you can call it whatever you want to call it. Sure. But like, I see folks calling a vulva a vagina as like, continuing to mislead and bring like a lot of like mystery and just like lack of knowledge to our anatomy, you know? Mm -hmm. And so I feel like for us to actually call it by the right fucking name, it's such a radical act of like reclaiming our bodies and calling our bodies like exactly what it is. Because I know for a fact that if I were to start calling penises prostates, Mm -hmm. men would be all up in arms. Mm -hmm. (laughs) They Mm -hmm. simply would not stand for it. Mm -hmm. So, Mm -hmm. uh, and I'm, I'm, I'm like, I'm, I'm very, I'm very passionate about that. Like anytime I'm even, sometimes I'm in a session with a client and I'll have my client talk about her vulva and she uses the word vagina. I'm like, okay, but actually it's called vulva. And like, let's just like bring some, bring some education into here because like you're literally calling it the right, the wrong thing. So Mm -hmm. like, it makes me feel so good to know that there's someone on this planet who is just as fired up and like irritated about the way that we are misusing that word. It's so important. The language is so important. There's nothing, there's nothing benign about the language. The language dictates what we think is possible, what we believe our humanity is, what we think is our source of shame and embarrassment, like the language of everything. So I think it's so critical. And I, I don't at all, I'm not a sex therapist or educator. So I, you know, I'm an artist, so I take a lot of liberties to just be like, this is what I think. And that's okay. If you don't agree, you know, I'm not trying to be like everything for everybody. I don't think people should just say whatever. No, I really think it matters. Like, don't call it by a, by the wrong name and don't use, I mean, I frankly think vagina is a colonial construct. It's about owning. Oh my God. (laughs) Yeah. uh, Right. It's about owning the female body and turning it into, you know, a subject for, for men, for their use. And, 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 you know, and it's not just, you know, it's not just the word vagina, like in German, um, the word for labia means shame lips. What? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And oh my god. You know, a lot of a lot of different languages, the naming of female genitals has with the words, you know, shame or dirty embedded in the language. Wow. Um, so it's not just, you know, once again, it's <laughs> this is a global problem, right? Patriarchy and misogyny is like a is a global um, system. So yes. we have to be critical, right? We can't, we can't accept these things on their face. Like, like Western medicine had a very, uh, you know, it had an agenda in how it defined and constructed and studied the female body. Still does. And it's, it's like, it's, I, I even feel this way about the, like the, the frou-frou words around like people who want to say, vagina but can't say vagina so they say things like vajayj i'm like can we just like call it by by the name that it is and i understand how some people have like trauma around these words Mm -hmm. or they just like feel squicked out about them i completely understand that but i think words have so much power and words mean so much and the way that we talk about our bodies is really really important and i'm always trying to encourage and empower folks with vaginas with vulvas to actually call it by the real name as a radical act of reclaiming their bodies as theirs. Yes. Yes, absolutely. And I think also, I think we need to make new language, you know, and I think literacy was a small attempt on my part to, to offer something. And I think we need more, more terms. Like we don't have a term for a clit erection, but the clit is just as erect as the penis. Like 
people with clits wake up with erections in the morning. We don't even have a term for clit erection. Like, what would that be? You know, I mm. ask your listeners, like, let's cr- let's create a word. Yes. Um, Yes. I think words like, you know, narcissexual should be a term and uh, where if someone like they always have orgasms, but no one that ever sleeps with them does, mm. um, there should be a name for that. And, and we should, you know, <laughs> do you know what I'm yes. saying? So, oh my God. Yes. So, you know, and, and flip the script a little bit. And I, I, you know, and I think like with clitoracy, it's like putting the idea out there of like, oh, it's valuable to have knowledge and understanding about this part of the body. And if you don't, you're ill-cliterate. And who wants to be that? Like that really flips the script from being about like, oh, she's a slut or she's loose or da-da-da-da-da. It's like, nah, man, you're sexually incompetent. Like that's the problem. And put it together, you know? The Sexually Liberated Woman celebrates sexual liberation. And since you're listening to this podcast, I think it's pretty safe for me to assume that you want to be about this life. Maybe you're already on your sexual liberation journey and you're starting to explore your erotic self bit by bit. Or maybe you're one of the many, many people out there who isn't at all comfortable with their sexuality, but wants to be. No matter where you are on your journey, I would love the opportunity to help you step out of shame and into sexual empowerment via one-on-one mentoring, fierce guidance, and resources that support your healing. If you're ready to be sexually free, go to evianwhitney.com slash shop and start your sexual liberation journey today. That's E-V-Y-A-N-W-H-I-T-N-E-Y dot com slash shop to begin your sexual awakening. I'll see you there. There was something else you said a little bit ago about uh, you were touching on clitoral orgasms versus vaginal orgasms, which again, I have, I wrote an article about this way, way back in the day because someone, and this is a question I still get actually um, Mm -hmm. from people who follow my work and also from clients that I've had who have been like, so I can only have clitoral orgasms. I really want to be able to have vaginal orgasms. And you had said a moment ago about how the reason why folks have um, orgasms through penetrative sex alone is because they're actually that that penetration is actually stimulating the clitoris because the clitoris is a whole network. And I feel like more people need to hear that and like really understand that like there's no hierarchy in terms of like orgasms, you know, because I think that's the thing that I, I've been hearing from my clients and even what I believed in my own self, which was that like clitoral a- orgasms are easy, but the vaginal orgasm, that mm-hmm. is for like the master. Like that is mm-hmm. for the person who is able to really connect to her body and, and know how to like please herself and things like that. And then when I realized that the vaginal orgasm equaled clitoral orgasm equaled vaginal orgasm. I was like, oh, wow, mind blown. Like all of this nonsense about the hierarchy makes no sense. It makes zero sense. And it's purely about um, putting a prize on what the penis does and what pleases the penis and saying that is more important than anything else. Yes. Um, And it's, you know, it's, it's as ridiculous as if we were to say, okay, like it's really amazing if a dude can orgasm through having his balls sucked. And if he gets like a blowjob or he has, you know, you know, penis and vagina and, you know, orgasm, well, that's like so weak of him and like, Mm. whatever, like that's so lazy. I mean, it's ridiculous. Um, but you know, just in terms of facts, like, which, which is what we should bring it back to, the vast majority of the nerves are concentrated in the glands of the clitoris and in the glands of the penis. 
there have been a lot of stats going around saying there's 8,000 nerves in the clitoris versus 3,000 in the penis. Lately, people have been saying that 8,000 number is exaggerated, not really true. So let's just say they're similar, right? 4,000, mm. 4,000. I really don't care. Like, it's not a competition. Who really cares? But the point right. is, that's where they're all concentrated. <laughs> right. There's more internally, but the vast, vast, vast majority are there. So why would you not simulate the place where most of your orgasms are? And if you look at, like, Little girls pre pre society humiliate them and shaming them about their pussies. How do they masturbate? Yeah, they're rubbing their external clitorises, and most people with vulvas that are jacking off are rubbing their external clitorises. Why? Because that's where they that's where the nerves are concentrated. That's where they get off. And you know, penetration is wonderful, and I and I think everyone that enjoys it like have it add it have it in the mix. But like, don't ever not be simulating your external clitoris at the same time. Right. You know, unless you're just so overstimulated, you're like, oh, it's too much. Like, fine, fine. But until she says, like, don't touch my external clit, you should always be touching it. Like, you should never not be touching it if you're having sex with someone that has a clit. Like, never not be touching the external clitoris the whole time. Mm. He should, he should, they should, whoever should. But if you're having sex with someone with a clit, the external clit should always be in the mix continuously. Not, not foreplay. There is no such thing as foreplay. There's only, like, what pleases you, and that's real sex. It's all real sex if it gets you off and makes you happy and doesn't hurt anybody. It's real sex. There's no such thing as foreplay. Yes. Um, but like keep touching the external clit until, you know, you've had your six orgasm and you don't want anymore. That's yes. when you stop. Yes. And also demand that your partner focus on yes. the clitoris. Absolutely. <laughs> no. And and if, if the partner doesn't, then you do it and you yes. make sure that you have your orgasm because yes. like that's what cis dudes have been doing forever. Like if they are not done all the way, they take care of it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, people with vulvas have not been doing that. And like, um, that is sad. Like that's, you know, it's be, and, it, and I think it gets back to this idea of colonization because, um, we haven't felt like we owned our own bodies. We didn't haven't felt like we, our bodies were ours to touch our, our, our bodies were ours to say, to dictate exactly what we want and how we want it and when we want it and when we don't want it, you know? Yeah. yeah. Uh, so I think that that myth is such a big one. And like how sad because it's basically it's basically a totally non-anatomical, non-scientific, like it's like believing some kind of myth, you know. I mean, I have some laws in in clitoracy which say, you know, the earth is not the center of the universe and the, and the penis is not the axis of sexuality. And oh, another one is, oh, the earth isn't flat. And women don't orgasm from their vaginas. Mm. It's like, yeah, I know you want to think that and that makes you feel good about yourself, but that's just not science, you Mm -hmm. know? And people got, people got murdered by the Catholic church because they said like, no, like the earth isn't the center of the universe. Um, And yes, it's threatening to think that like, oh, the penis isn't like the only sexual entity in the world, but it isn't, you know what I mean? Like, and we have to engage facts at a certain point. And so Agreed. And I still see studies. I mean, this gets me so frustrated because I still see studies that even though they're finally starting to admit that the glands of the clitoris is important to sex, they always phrase it as she still needs clitoral stimulation. Of course she needs clitoral stimulation. That's her sexual organ. Mm. You know, they phrase it as um, X percent of women still need clitoral stimulation to orgasm as if that's some sort of (laughs) failure on the part of their body. right? Right. Right. I mean, I've even internalized that myself. Like there have been times when me and my partner are having sex and it's like penis and vagina sex and I'm not getting there. Like I'm nowhere close. And mm-hmm. I know that if I were to put a vibrator on my clitoris, yeah. mm-hmm. I would get there immediately. But there is right. so much shame right. and even in my own brain because I've been unpacking this a lot lately as I've been trying to unlearn this bullshit. Like in my own brain in those moments when I'm thinking about like reaching for the vibrator, there's mm-hmm. still that part of me. And I, I mean, I don't, I've never heard of someone actually saying this directly to me. I think that I have internalized it indirectly from just like our culture and just the way that our culture hates women and people with, with vaginas and, and vulvas. But in my brain, I would think that, oh, if I were to reach for my vibrator, that that is like, that's the easy out or that is the, that it's immature of me. Like a real woman is able to 
to have sex in this way and and not need something external to get her there. And I mean, I'm still having these thoughts in the back of my head today, despite mm-hmm. the fact that like I know that it's all bullshit, you know? So I can I, I have so much compassion for folks who who are probably listening to this conversation being like, yes, I get it. And this shit is like deep in there. It's so, so hard, so challenging to unlearn it. Yeah. You're, yeah, you're com- completely right. And I think it also doesn't help that um, from a marketing and advertising perspective, um, everything that works for um the sexuality of people with clits has been pathologized and shamed. So yes. it's been illegal. Um, and to, in, in some states it still is. It's been illegal to advertise vibrators, like illegal. Mm-hmm. So meanwhile, like men can get condoms, no problem. They can get Viagra, they can get penis pumps, like they get whatever support that they need. But the things that would just as efficiently, quickly, directly, and without any side effects, by the way, guarantee women their orgasm have been shamed, have been impossible to get, have been made, you know, novelty toys made by very unethical producers without understanding the anatomy of women's bodies. So they've just been like super phallic um, or unsafe. Um, and then the feminist uh, companies that are trying to create these toys that are using them safe materials and making them not totally phallic oriented. Um, they are having such a hard time because it's illegal for them to advertise anywhere. Mm. So I'm thinking about like Unbound Babes. I'm thinking of Crave. I'm thinking of Babeland, you know, and this is a huge problem. And so, and then there's myths about like, oh, if you use a vibrator, like then you get vibrator spoiled and you can't come any other way, which is completely yes. a myth and not true. Yes. Completely a myth. And, and my thing is like, I think everyone that has clit should have an amazing vibrator. I personally love Hitachi. I think it's unbelievable. I think it's like the holy grave of multiple orgasms. You know, a lot of, I think the cheap vibrators, the old school vibrators, they were very high and shrill and kind of burny and very uncomfortable. And Mm. they would like, you know, you'd get, you'd get numb from them. Hitachi is the opposite. It is like a deep drumming kind of like it. I, I, unscientifically feel that it gets your internal clitoris completely. So it's very like the entire oh. thing and it's the channel to like orgasm after orgasm after orgasm. So it's like, it takes any pressure off of like, will I come or not? It's just like, you will, you know what I mean? It's more like, how many do you want? How many times and how many ways and how many, and I think it's wonderful to use with a partner because then they can, you know, their hands free, they can do other things. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? They can use their hands and, you know, penis and whatever to please you. And you can take care of that or have it on the side. And, you know, if you want it, you, it's there, you know, and really, you know, because the clit has uh, a direct blood supply that the penis doesn't have, it can recharge and recharge. So you can like keep having orgasm after orgasm. And then you have Hitachi, you're like, whoa, oh my God. Like I can, you know, you could have more than you ever knew was possible. And I mean, it can be kind of overwhelming and tiring. You're like, I had to take a break right now. This is like a lot for me. But Oh my gosh. It's so funny because I keep hearing people tell me like, you got to get on that Hitachi wand though. And I'm like, I'm scared because it looks so big Mm -hmm. and intimidating. But I mean, people keep saying that that's their tried and true. So maybe I should hit up Hitachi and ask them, hey, you want to sponsor an episode sometime so I can do a review? (laughs) Yeah, it's, I really, it's a, it's, it's really a game changer. Um, I, I really, you should definitely have one. I mean, it's just, and you can use it like over your clothes, you know, like you don't have to just put it directly. I mean, it's very powerful, right? But yeah, yeah. it's powerful in a way. I really don't know anyone who's ever encountered it that hasn't. And and everyone pretty much that, you know, sees it from afar is like, oh no, that's not, you know, that's not for me. That doesn't call to me, but it's not about the optics. Like it's about what it does. Okay. And it's a tool in your chest, you know, it's a tool. I mean, and tools are wonderful. And, you know, just having to take, you know, the fear of not coming off the table completely is a wonderful way to like go into a sexual experience. Absolutely. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So, yeah. Okay. I'm I'm convinced. I think I might need to get a Hitachi wand and and give it a go. <laughs> oh man, I could talk to you forever and ever and ever, but I know that we have to wrap up soon. So I want to just like bring it 
all around um, and just kind of like wrap things up by asking like, you know, we've been talking so much about clitoracy. I want to know like, what can we do to practice our own clitoracy? I think um, number one is just educating yourself on, which is very quick and efficient to do, what the true anatomy is and respecting how it actually works. So giving it its proper recognition of how it works, not expecting it to be something else, not not believing the myth of the vagina and the vaginal orgasm, but like getting what the clit is. I think that's like number one. And then from there, like discovering your own clit. And like, I, you know, I've had a lot of people come up to me after talks and shows or you know, emailing me and saying like, wow, I thought there was something completely wrong with my body. And after encountering your project, like, I feel so much better. I don't feel ashamed. I don't feel like there's something wrong with me um, because I need my external clit stimulated to orgasm. And it's so, it's like, it makes me really happy to get these emails, but it also breaks my heart yeah. because little girls know where they feel pleasure, right? They know where all their sensation and all their nerves are. And then the, the society is obsessed with their vaginas and don't, don't let anyone in there and don't get pregnant and you're going to have periods and it's going to hurt and sex hurts and that's how it is. And you could get raped and don't get raped. And there's just all of this pressure and all of this pain and there's no acknowledgement about the place that they actually feel pleasure. And, uh, and, and it gets to the point that women don't believe their own bodies. They believe this fucked up society more than they believe their own interior experience. And that is just so profoundly painful. Mm. Um, and at the same time, it's really hopeful because with a little bit of information, people can really empower themselves. So, you know, you can learn your own body, you know, just by having a little bit of information, you can go home, you can explore your own body or your partner's body and figure it out for yourself because all, you know, everybody's body is different, right? But at the same time, there are a huge number of nerves right in the glands. Like that's a fact for everybody. So if you're ignoring the glands, that's a huge problem. Um, and if you're tending to the glands, things are going to get better and better. Obviously, you have to do it with with uh, with care and finesse and paying attention. And you know, I would argue, you know, just on a baseline level, always wash your hands, always trim your nails, always use lube. Mm, yes. Always, right? Don't ever touch a pussy with a dry, dirty hand ever. <laughs> never, never yes. do that. Put that on a billboard. We need to yes. hear that more. <laughs> yes. Um, but yeah. And then I would say like represent for the clit, you know, and, and when people, people say, Oh, like, don't be such a pussy or whatever. I'd be like, yo, pussies are amazing. Like pussies are, are like, I love my pussy. Like, I don't know. I just, I, I think that we should all, you know, rep for the clit and go hard for the clit and, and refuse to like accept this kind of shame that is still sort of actively out there. You know, one response that I get from, from some people, but it's like a very predictable, predictable response. They're like, Oh, you're working on the clit. Oh, like, I've never been able to find that, you know, or like, Oh, my wife doesn't have a clit, you know? And oh my God. Yeah. And you know, that joke of like impossible to find and, or like, Oh, your sculpture, like I can't see it. And my response to that is one, I mean, the clit is always in the same place. So if you can't find it, like, I don't know what to tell you, but you probably shouldn't <laughs> be having sex with anybody. Facts. Um, and, you know, and then also, I mean, imagine if we were to go around to dudes and be like, oh, you have a penis? Really? Where? I, I don't see a penis. I, I, I can't even find it. Like, what penis, right? That would be considered so rude, yes. so humiliating, such a low blow. It's just like so disrespectful. And the idea that we're supposed to be complicit in humiliating our genitals, like, oh, hell no. Hell motherfucking no. So I just think we need to push back hard against those things and call them out when we see them and just also like spread the good news about the clip because clips are amazing. Yes. Yes. Oh my God. I love this. Okay. Sophia, thank you so much again for taking the time to talk to all of us today about clitoracy. I have learned so much from this conversation and I also feel like I have 
gained a kindred spirit <laughs> around clitoracy and vulvas and, and things like that. So thank you so much for taking the time to talk about all of this really important stuff for getting fiery with us. And um, yeah, tell people how they can find you, how they could view clitoracy. Tell us everything. Okay, amazing. And thank you so much for having me. It's been really a pleasure. I'm on Instagram, Sophia Wallace Artist. And I have a website, um, sophiawallace.com. So that sort of has a lot more information about like my art and my shows. And um, you can buy, you know, pins or jewelry or prints or anything like that on my website as well. Right now, there's a new episode that just came out with a, a French film crew doing a documentary series called The Clit Revolution. Mm. They just did an episode with me. So I would love people to check that out. Fantastic. I'll definitely check that out too. But yeah, Clit Revolution. I mean, it's a brilliant title and they're going all around the world and covering artists and activists uh, who are fighting for the clit and, and fighting for women's sexuality. Amazing. So it's a great project. Uh, and there's another documentary actually coming out soon called The Dilemma of Desire that's also about this topic and, and features my work. So I just would love people to stay in touch and, and, um, and you know, to connect with you guys on social media and just keep the conversation going because this work is so – it's really transformative. I yeah. mean, I don't mean to be cliche, but it is true that the personal is political. Yes. And I think that, like, I just think – I really believe that, you know – we don't have full access to our citizenship if we don't have a right to pleasure in our own bodies. Yes. Thank you. Thank you so much, Sophia. And um, I'm excited to keep having this conversation about, um, about clits. <laughs> thank you so much. This podcast is produced, edited, and designed by me, Evian Whitney. Find me on my website, evianwhitney.com, and on Instagram at evian.whitney to keep up with me and my work. The Sexually Liberated Woman is made possible with editing help by Samantha Riddell and community support from each one of my very special patrons on Patreon. I literally couldn't do this without you. If you want to help sustain the sexually liberated woman, go to patreon.com slash SLW podcast and become a patron. And don't forget to rate and review on Apple podcasts. It helps others find the show. Thank you so much for being here and I'll see you in the next episode.